Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Talking Pigs. I'm your host, Scott Gerard. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. We have a monster game between LSU and Texas to get into from all angles. But before we do that, I just wanted to suggest to you, if you're not already following us on Twitter, to please do so, at Talking Tigs. No G on the talking. Uh, we're also on Facebook, Talking Tigs Podcast, and also available on iTunes and Spotify. Um, again, we have a amazing game between LSU and Texas to get into, uh, but want to check in with my co-host and, and see how you guys are doing. Man, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm still uh, still got still got the anxiety uh, from last night. It doesn't even seem like it like it even happened, but. Uh, <laughs> We're hanging in there, and we're just glad to be able to talk about a Tiger win. Yeah, it's a, it's a great day to be a Tiger. We've been building this game for literally years, and then to have it kind of finally come and go in, in just about the best way possible feels feels really good, man. So we'll be riding high this week and for a while now. Yes, yeah, I agree. Uh, and riding high because LSU went into Austin, Texas, and beat the Longhorns 45-38. to 38 mostly behind the, the arm of Joe Burrow. Um, you know, we can uh, talk about the offense and defense and, and other aspects of the game separately, but I just wanted to get you guys' overall impressions first. Um, my, from my view, uh, I think LSU gutted out a good win, which very easily could have gone the other way, you know, had a few plays uh, turned out differently. But... Um, I think it was especially hard because LSU did it on the road to an almost completely hostile crowd, which is maybe another point we can talk to later. I think there are only like 3,000 LSU fans there. Um, and they they just they, they just gutted out a win. And I think the offense carried them, and the defense has some holes. But uh, what do you guys think overall? Let's start with you, Tommy. Uh, let's see. Overall, of course, just ecstatic that we got the win. We, like you said, we went into a hostile environment in Austin, Texas. I mean, you know, 100,000 uh, or I guess 97,000 Texas fans, you know, Matthew McConaughey, the guy Mo Bamba, who I didn't even know was a person. I just I did the song, but he's there yeah. on the sideline. You know, every, every uh, the Undertaker's there. Um, every, you know, Texas personality, every notable Longhorn is there for that game. And LSU went in on the road and got the win in any way, you know, in, in any means possible. Or, uh, and, yeah, I do agree that um, the offense clearly carried them. There were some, uh, you know, the defense was good at points and, and not great at points. Um, and like you said, like you said earlier, we're going to get into both of those. But overall, I, I don't think you can be that dis- – I mean, you can't be disappointed. with. We went in and we played a top uh, – one of the top teams in the country, and we beat them. And yeah. – you can't uh, you can't take anything away from Texas because they looked really good. I think Ellinger looked better than I thought he would. Um, those Texas receivers looked good. Uh, Texas's defense was not uh, you know was not a soft Big 12 defense that that you know we've come to expect. Uh, it, though though we put up 45 points, um, those were those were you know hard won points. So overall, I think it's a, I think it's a real uh, gut check win for LSU, and it shows that that we're here to play. Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was pretty great. 
the score, obviously, uh, 45 to 38, reflects more of a, a Big 12 game than an SEC game, so we kind of played their style a little bit, and to the overall good effect, I would say. It was a very entertaining game, close game the whole way. At the beginning, I mean, 3-0 LSU after the first quarter, you're like, oh, it's going to be one of those classic just ground and pound, like somebody just gets one big play and wins the game, and then just kind of blew the doors off in the, the third quarter, and they just kept scoring and scoring. So, yeah, LSU's offense was amazing. We'll get into the details of the, the stats there. Defense held up. They did great with two huge goal line stops at the beginning of the game. Uh, even though they got run over a little bit in the second half, they did enough to, to get the win. So that was great. And then we just had so many just great images. Joe Burrow on the sideline at the end doing his little Lee Corso wave to all the Texas fans. I was dying <laughs> seeing that. But, yeah, I mean – at this point, we have the best win in the country out of any team, and nobody can take that away from us. No, they can't. Uh, and it is so far probably the, the best win. And um, I, I have to agree with you, Tommy, that I think uh, you know we, we probably owe Texas a little bit more credit than we did before the game because they did play really great. They had a stout, stouter defense than I would have thought, and the, they did more through the air than I thought, you know, mostly due to Sam Ellinger. Um, but yeah, I think they got out a great win. Uh, that alone, uh, says it all because, you know, if that game was played in Tiger Stadium, I don't think it would have been nearly as close. And if that game, maybe, you know, if Derek Stingley had actually recovered that interception or if there was some other, uh, you know, just turn of the game on, you know, for LSU on the defense or, uh, you know, some other touchdown, I think the game wouldn't have looked as close as it did, uh, but uh, I mean, you got for LSU with this game, you got to start with the offense, and that was that was uh, mostly due to Joe Burrow. Uh, I mean, the guy the guy had a you know what you could say an early on Heisman performance on the road against a top ten team who claimed to be DBU, but I don't think anyone that claimed to be DBU would give up 471 yards passing and four touchdowns. Three different receivers had 120-plus yards. So, uh, I mean, uh, Joe, Joe Burrow was the MVP. And LSU's offense is for real. You know, we wondered last, last week how it would look against Jordan Southern. But you can tell it's for real this week against Texas. Um, I think they, they probably could have benefited a little bit more from the LSU's old running game in the end. I like that they went and tried to score towards the end because they didn't end up that they had to. But um, I, I think there's just uh, I think at some point they they really could utilize more of a ground game because you know they only rush for like 100 yards as a team, uh, and I just don't know if that's going to help them down the road on an SEC schedule. Uh, but that's my two cents. Um, yeah, what do you uh, w- what did you see from from yesterday's game, Daniel? Right, Joe Burrow. He's got a cannon. He was on point pretty much the entire night, putting balls in just places that. Only elite-level quarterbacks can go. And I, I've been a, a Joe Burrow kind of lukewarm kind of apologist for a while, but he yes, really stepped, have. he's really stepped up this year. And uh, my hat's off to him. He, he really is that guy. So he, he led the, the team. Like you said, on the ground, only about 100 yards total. It's going to be rough against Bama when you need that offense uh, both ways to kind of keep him honest. And so – Clyde Edwards-Alaire really toted the rock. He had 15 carries for 87, which is pretty good. But 
everybody else is just about non-existent. Uh, John Emery didn't even step on the field, which is surprising, considering he played a decent amount in the Georgia Southern game. So I don't really know what their plans are with that. But Edwards Alaire definitely did well, but we'll have to boost that a little bit. And then, like you said, the receivers with Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Terrace Marshall all going for over 100 for the first time. The first time in LSU history, the three receivers did yeah. that. Yeah. Ever. And then so that was two pods ago. I mentioned that I wanted to see a 100-yard receiver in the first game against Georgia Southern, and it didn't happen. So I was a little bit disappointed, but they more than made up for it this time with three all in one game. So uh, that's pretty awesome. And then all those guys just racking it up. Jamar Chase made clutch catch after clutch catch. And then Justin Jefferson ripped it open with two huge ones, including a 61-yard touchdown. So uh, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. What about you, Tommy? What, uh, what was your take? I mean, I think that, first of all, you can't talk about this game, you can't talk about LSU's offense without talking about the man himself, Burbank Joe, <laughs> number nine, Joe Burrow. And he, with that performance last night, he cemented himself in LSU lore. You know, I, that, I can't help yeah. but, uh, when I'm looking at that, that last touchdown he threw, when he, he evades a, an apparent sack, steps up in the pocket, basically throws on one foot and throws a, just a dart touchdown. And that reminds me, I was telling Daniel, you, I mean, you'll remember this from last night as it happened, Daniel. Uh, we were talking about it. It looked like um, that, that Dalton Hilliard play that they always show. You know, number 33 kind of comes out of nowhere in the back of the end zone and catches that ball for a touchdown. I, I think that that play will be on the highlight films for years to come. Joe Burrow will be remembered as one of the, you know, as a as a great LSU quarterback, and not just the transfer who came in, you know, and, and was pretty good. But wow, that you know, that was kind of weird. We got this transfer guy. Kelly like is that Mettenberger? Yeah, he's not going to be. He's not just a, just a Mettenberger 2.0. This guy, uh, he's playing on fire. He, I think, it, I think it's absolutely right to at least put him in the Heisman conversation after this performance. Um, the leadership that he's shown throughout his tenure here. You know, it's only gotten better. He started out and he came, or he, he came in last year and pretty much just fell right into place um, and, ha, you know, struggled a little bit, especially in, like, the Florida game, like we've always talked about. But uh, with that performance, he's shown that, that LSU is a national contender uh, on, the, on the offensive side of the ball and that he is he's willing to, you know, that, the, that this, when the stage comes to him, he's willing to step up. So... I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed. I'm excited. Uh, the, the receivers, you know, Justin Jefferson, uh, you always talk about Justin Jefferson kind of being Burrow's number one, you know, security blanket. He loves to throw to Justin Jefferson, and Jefferson loved to catch it last night. Uh, Terrence Marshall, Jamar Chase, both of them had great nights as well. Um, we talk about the running game. I know that, I know that there uh, are a little bit of concerns just because we're not, again, you know, it's like, oh, we're such a good. We're we're so used to having a great running game, and why isn't it opening up? But I think that I think that even with this change uh, to the to the more spread throwing type offense, you still see defenses loading the box against LSU. And I, I would I would venture to say that as as we uh, continue on in the, with this more run and gun type offense, uh, spreading the ball out, throwing it to you know four or five different receivers. Um, defenses will have to start honoring that and you know not loading the box as much and, and I think our running game will open up so I look for our running game to improve over uh, you know in the next couple of games but I mean overall this offense I 
you can't you can't ask for anything more against a top level team like Texas. Yeah, no, you, no, you can't. Uh, again, especially on the road, hostile environment, hundred thousand plus, uh, plus all the celebrity pill. I mean, that that crowd was was up for that game. Uh, I mean, there were a good amount of LSU fans there too, just just probably not in the stadium. Uh, but to go back to what you were saying about Burrow, yeah, I, I think uh, down the road they, they probably will be able to, to incorporate more of the, the running. I think they wanted to establish, like you said last week, they just wanted to establish and show the world who they are and what they're capable of. So now that everyone has to rethink so that maybe they aren't stacking the box. And uh, I think, like yesterday, Joe Burrow and how he is in the pocket, it's it's like he... he he knew he was going to take some hits, but he still made this, these perfect passes in tight windows. And he ran when he needed to, and he just had really good pocket awareness. And uh, the, the, last pl- the last touchdown, like you said, he evaded uh, a sack. And then he moved again because someone almost, uh, number 23, was swiping at his arm. And he was like inches away. And, you know, that could have been a fumble, but I, I think he, he has this this vision to where he can just tune it out, he knows it's there, and make the play. He can win them games down the road. I just think, uh, you know, they'll have to find more balance slightly with the running game because, you know, I I don't know if they can do that against, you know, a Nick Saban coached Alabama, uh, which, you know, everyone, they say, oh, LSU's got this offense, and they're ready, they can compete now, and then they just immediately bring up Alabama. But, you know, it's it's true. And I think uh, I think the other the other players around Burrow are gonna are gonna perform for him. The receivers you didn't really see many drops. You know you you, you saw them catch and make plays, and that's what you wanted to do. You saw Clyde Edwards-Hilaire uh, make plays, both catching and on on his uh, on the ground. Um, and you you brought up something down, and it made me think: Did any other running back play? Uh, I know you said John Emery didn't, but I don't know if I recall any other running back. Yeah, I got um, the, the Price got in there a little bit. Yeah, Lenard Fournette got Lenard Fournette got three oh, that's, carries. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. And then uh, Tyrion Davis Price got one carry, and that was one it. One carry. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting why you think they wouldn't uh, would wouldn't try more, but you know, I guess May, you know, it might have been just an experience thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, you put like you said, it's a hostile environment. This is a game of the year, and you might just say, let's give it to the guy who, who we can trust. Um, because I'm sure they knew going in as much as anybody um, that this was going to be a, a, an air attack game. And so, you know, if you don't, if you don't anticipate, you know, trying to run, just run over, a, run over Texas, then, yeah, I can understand why you just leave, you know, the veteran in. Yeah, I mean, you, you'd be kind of scared. You put in uh, John Emery or whoever in he's got the the jitters and he goes in and fumbles the ball away immediately and that just kills everything. And so you, you rather just give the rock to somebody who maybe if he's not going to blow the doors off the defense, he'll at least get you a good gain and keep it safe. Yeah. And maybe he can get you a nice little spin move in there. Oh man, that was an awesome spin move when Clyde Edwards Hilaire just whoop right around that guy. Uh, so I wanted to get into the defense, but I wanted to first ask Daniel, um, would you now say that Joe Burrow is an elite quarterback? I would indeed say he's an elite quarterback. Definitely top ten in the country, at least at the college level, and probably 
uh, top five at least. I mean, okay. the number five spot's kind of open for consideration between Trevor Lawrence, Tua Tagovailoa, uh, Jalen Hurts, and probably like Justin Fields, and then maybe Joe Burrow slides in at number five. So the, the five best teams probably got the five best quarterbacks, and that's how college football is these days. I well, agree. You know, uh, and Daniel, you're not the only one who, who uh, said that. Michael Thomas, Saints wide receiver, uh, said last night that Joe Burrow is one of us and he'll be playing on Sunday. So he's got the endorsement of one of the best wide receivers in the in the leagues. Yeah, and maybe now uh, Sean Payton will draft somebody from LSU, and it might be their quarterback. Holy cow, would that put football on its head. But um, transitioning now to... Um, to, to the other side of the ball, the defense. Um, after the first game, we saw, all right, LSU's offense looked good. They looked different. But, you know, let's see how they do against Texas. And they they were consistent. You know, like I said, a couple plays away from it being, you know, they, they scored 55 against Georgia Southern. They scored 45 against a top-10 team on the road. So the offense is exactly what we saw last week, I think. Um the defense, however, looks not like it did last week, for sure. Uh, I know there was all week this talk of who's DBU, and I think they even got into a, a scuffle before the game. Uh, but LSU's defense, I know Texas was not DBU, but LSU's defense didn't look like DBU either, although I think, uh, to their credit, you know, they, didn't, they only gave up that one, that one really long pass play. Everything else was kind of short and... Uh, you know, they, it just wasn't like they got beat one-on-one. It wasn't like, you know, they were just beating Derek Stingley down the sideline all day or they were beating Christian Fulton or, you know, just the the empty of the, the middle of the field was just wide open. Uh, you know, they just they worked him. And uh, the defensive line, I thought, did a pretty good job. I mean, they got five sacks, but... They did not look as good as they did last week. So I think that's, you know, that's something that has to be looked at going forward. Uh, what do you guys say? Well, uh, I think, I mean, I would agree. I think everyone, anyone who watched that game would say that the defense was not uh, dominant. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of good, there were a lot of good moments, a lot of good plays, and a lot of, and a lot of good performances, you know, by uh, individual players, uh, I think specifically. You look at Derek Stingley, the true freshman, and he didn't have a single a single ball caught on him all night. He made and he made some key plays, like game-saving plays, especially uh, that you know borderline what may have been an interception, yeah. um, where he just takes the ball away from the guy, and that's and that's a true freshman against a senior. Uh, so he is he is not afraid to play. He is absolutely you know playing as advertised and living up to the hype. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I mean, on the other side of the field, you know, Christian Fulton, who's who's kind of the uh, the veteran corner and, and the you know some say the best corner in college football, uh, he had a little bit of a rough night, and I think that I, I would agree with you. I don't think it was him necessarily getting beaten all the time. He kind of beat himself uh, with yeah. what two or three uh, pass interference calls, and I know some of them were kind of borderline, um, but you know that that's that is killer. Um, and that, and I think that you know gave Texas some some of the opportunities um, that they needed to to score. So uh, another I guess another name to watch is we're always looking for 18. And uh, Chason was a little bit quiet in the game, 
Um, but he came up when he when we needed him, and he made a crucial sack. So, uh, and I think Texas probably, you know, they had his number all night, and they were going to make sure that he was not, you know, they were going to make sure he was blocked every every play. Um, so all around, you know, I do agree that uh, there were that you know obviously they weren't as uh, dominant as they were against Georgia Southern. I don't know, but I don't know if anybody expected them to. But the question that I have, and that I was t- thinking about last night, is is this the new LSU? Because, you know, when you see, uh, when you see these kind of more, you know, run and, run and shoot uh, offenses and they're throwing, you know, throwing the ball around, moving fast, no huddle, um, and up-tempo, a lot of times the defenses are not that, you know, that dominant um, three-and-out defenses. So... I don't know if, you know, and it might be because they basically get no rest because the offense moves the ball so quickly and, they're not, and they don't have time to adjust and everything. Um, I, obviously, I, would, I look for them to improve, and I'd, I'd love for them to be dominant. But, I mean, we've seen, we've seen Alabama even get into some shootouts against great teams. So, yeah. uh, you know, maybe this is, this is something where we might have a few games like this. And it's not because our defense is bad. It's not because we don't have the talent. We obviously do. We have the best some of the best defensive players in the country. But it might just be the nature of when you're going to play ball on the, other, on, on the offense this way, there are going to be ramifications for your defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with what you said. I thought the defense, yeah, did pretty good. At the linebacking core I liked, especially with uh, Jacob Phillips and Patrick Queen plugging the holes. Uh, with Michael Divinity, good to have him back after uh, being out for the first game. Uh, Divinity, he at times looked a little bit slow, to be honest. Uh, but maybe just shaking off a little bit of the rust. But, yeah, they did good, especially on those two goal line stands, uh, shut them down first through fourth down in the first quarter. But one player I did want to kind of call out for not playing up to his potential would be Grant Delpit because he is a consensus All-American potential top five pick. At times he got toasted a little bit over the top, and he had a couple of key missed tackles where he tried to kind of blow up the play and did a little bit too much, and the guy just shook him off a little bit and then got uh, ran ahead for a decent gain. So, I mean, he didn't play badly, but not to the All-American level that he could have done, I guess you can say. But, yeah, overall, like you said, Tommy, this is kind of maybe the nature of things these days where you're going to give up a few like big plays as long as you can uh, make the stops when you need to and just back up your offense in that way and just keep on rolling, which is what we did. Like, if we never – it was close, but it kind of reminds me of, like, Oklahoma, how they play a little bit where their defense is going to give a lot, give up a lot of points, but they just have to do enough to where their dynamite offense will put the game away. And so that's not the worst way to play football, so we'll see if that continues or not, I guess. And, and, and yeah, I, I like what you said just then about, you know, it felt close. But it really, you know, it, there were you know points where I mean LSU was up three nothing and that was close, or where Texas was leading by three. But towards that home stretch, LSU was up by eight eight points most of the time. So, um, you know, you might be right that it, or I think you're I think you're right that it's it may feel close. But if it's if it's constantly just trading blows back to back and and you know every time LSU gets the ball they're moving down the field and at least putting three up on the board. That that gives you that cushion, that defense, the cushion that they need to, you know, where they don't have to have a three and out because it's a, uh, you know, it's a ten to seven game and uh, and the other team has the ball again. 
Yeah, it's like if you're up by 10 points, it's a two-score game. So even if Texas is scoring every single time, if we're scoring every single time, there's no way they can catch us. So that's just kind of how it is. And then you, you don't really care that much just as long as you just keep doing your thing. But, I mean, that's not maybe going to work so well against Alabama or Georgia, which is where we need to improve on the details and everything. But, I mean, it did the job here, and I'm happy with that. Yeah. Um, well, I, it could be you know, just a sign of a change. But I think early on, though, it looked like LSU was the defense we saw last week. Uh, I mean, I know they they got the touchdown first and gave them the lead, but, you know, that was, uh, I feel like it was, you know, it was after a short field. It it didn't, or I think there was some penalty or something. But, you know, they they had two goal line stands in the first quarter on the road, and that's, that's insane. So that's why I feel like early on the defense was playing all right. You know, Grant Delpit came out of the uh, the, the defensive backfield and, and made a behind-the-line tackle at one point and forced Texas to punt. So I don't know if it was that or maybe just Texas is, is really that good offensively. And, yeah. You know, LSU could look better on defense of, you know, some of these other teams. Uh, and, you know, Texas could just be that good. I mean, you saw how good Sam Ellinger was and the players around him. Uh, and think about it, you know, they Texas was down two running backs. You know, they they were depleted at running backs. So, you know, who knows if that would have made a difference for them. But, uh, you know, I, I think both both teams kind of were slow out of the gate offensively. LSU moved the ball, but, you know, could only get a field goal. Texas took the lead. But in the second half, it just became, you know, a, a barn burner. And like you said, luckily we had the lead, uh, and we had a couple stops when we needed it. But um, yeah, uh, I'm I'm hoping they can figure things out, and maybe it was just a sign of, you know, just a really good offensive team in Texas. Luckily, our our offense carried the way. Yeah, I think I think you're right actually uh, that. You know, Texas. You can't you can't talk about this game and 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 talk about it like Texas was not a great offensive team. Um, they, Sam Ellinger is the real deal. You know, I think the comparisons to Tebow are, are you know, not, not far off. I don't know if it, you know, some people consider Tebow to be the greatest college football player of all time, so I don't know if Please Ellinger is there. say that on the podcast again. I know some people say it, but, oh, he's, <laughs> I'm sorry. Some say. <laughs> some say, but, I know. But, but, uh, <laughs> but he, um, he looked really good, and he threw some dimes. So, you know, maybe you know this might this might be more of a, a testament to we played really well, and it just didn't show because there because Ellinger and his you know two his, his two receivers that uh, Devernier and uh, and Johnson were just that good. Yeah, I thought our our special teams were, were was excellent. I mean, Cade York, freshman on the road. Uh, got us on the board first and just went three for three. Uh, Zach von Rosenberg, he only putted twice, but he but he averaged like 48 yards. Um, <laughs> and here's the crazy thing is uh, both teams only had one punt return each, I believe, or at least one that they, you know, fielded and tried to advance. So it wasn't much in, uh, you know, so many kick kickback, or, uh, yeah, uh, just kickoffs that went into the end zone. So, uh, couldn't really see much there, but I thought special teams-wise, uh, another solid performance. You know, again, we, we said it was against Georgia Southern at home, 
but the freshman delivered on the road, and you could see in, in O's face, he's like, I got a guy I can trust going forward. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that your I think the word you use there is is absolutely right. Solid was the was the play of special teams. You know, no mistakes, yeah. no um, no muffed punts, no penalties, uh, you know, no missed field goals or no you know kicks out of bounds or anything like that. So yeah, you can't ask for much more. I think it was a, a, a like you said a solid performance, and it definitely set up LSU both on on both sides of the ball uh, to you know have successful drives. Yeah. But yeah, y'all want to get back to kind of what else went on college football. I wanted to go right off the top with the, the AP poll literally just released like 10 minutes ago, and LSU is now number four in the country. We jumped ahead of Oklahoma and Ohio State. So whether that's deserved or not, we'll see, because both those teams took care of business. But we got the best win out of anybody, so I think that's great. And now we got three SEC teams in the top four, and we have five in the top nine, which is pretty wild to say. Uh even when some teams in the SEC maybe not quite so great this year. But, yeah, most everybody took care of business. The only kind of big losses were Texas, obviously. A&M lost to Clemson. That was to be expected. And then uh, Washington actually dropped one to Cal uh, late last night. So they're kind of falling off. But uh, other than that, most everybody kind of did their thing. Uh, uh, I, think, and, and I think you're forgetting that uh, Tennessee lost to BYU in a very embarrassing loss. Second loss of the year for, for uh, Jeremy Pruitt, and I think it's safe to say he's on the hot seat. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. One, thing, one thing I forgot to mention was uh, Michigan barely escaped in double overtime against the Army. That's the second year in a row that Army's taken a like, top-ten team to overtime and loss. Uh, I don't know why the Black Knights can't just take care of business and get rid of Michigan because they're definitely pretenders at this point, but uh, they stay there in the top ten fighting hard balls. Yeah, I get yeah. it. I cannot stand Jim Harbaugh, I cannot stand Michigan, and I cannot stand how they're consistently ranked, like, like highly ranked every year, and they're just not good. You know, they, ha- they, they don't have a good program, they haven't been good in years, and even when they were good, they were not, you know, dominant. So, it's, it, it, I think it was an embarrassing performance for Michigan. I watched a lot of that game, and... Uh, you know, Army doesn't even have they don't even they don't have football players. Like they, I mean, they do. You know, obviously they, they're playing football, but th- these guys don't. They're not toply recruited. They're not any five stars. And for Michigan, a storied program like that to basically lose the game to uh, to Army is just an embarrassment. Yeah, I I, I thought wow, go Army, that's awesome. Uh, but Michigan, after the game, they, those guys celebrated like they had just beaten Ohio State. They they went and crowd surfed the student section. Like yeah, yeah. I thought you know it's good. You got a good win. You got it out of win. I know that feels good, but uh, it's not like you just beat Ohio State for the first time in seventy years, like you haven't done or whatever. I know, I know. And um, but you know, other than that, and then also um, uh, the other game you mentioned, there really weren't any upsets. Everyone. Uh, you know, Clemson AM, that, that was kind of close. They only won by two touchdowns. But everyone else was, uh, everything else was a blowout. And uh, so I was surprised about Maryland because, you know, they, I know they were at home, but they, they took care of business against Syracuse. And they, they could probably do, uh, do a little disruption in the Big Ten, I think. Uh, but, you know, everything else, it was pretty much a blowout. Uh, I was kind of surprised, though, at FSU. They almost lost at home to ULM. And they, the only way they won was in overtime because ULM missed an extra point. So, uh, 
again, those guys were celebrating too, like they they had just beaten Clemson or something. But it was, I, I don't know. Um, FSU is definitely not back. So that's that's kind of what I noticed around the league or the the country. Yeah, it was a pretty good week overall. I would say a lot of close games, no huge upsets, unfortunately. But I think a good week of football. Uh, this upcoming week. Not going to be too great, really. There's no huge matchups. They already announced college game day is going to be in Ames, Iowa, for Iowa versus Iowa State, so not exactly the clash of the Titans there. But, uh, yeah, just a couple tune-ups. LSU, we've got to mention, playing at home against Northwestern State at Natchitoches, Louisiana, coming to town, the Demons. Uh, so that'll probably be a blowout and our most likely chance to score 60 points in one game, as Joe Burrow claimed. So yep. we'll see how that pans out. <laughs> Yeah, I'm ready for uh, ready for Daniel to buy that jersey. Um, it'll look, I think, I think it'll look pretty good on you, Daniel. And uh, I think Joe will be uh, excited to sign it too. So, um, you know. Yeah, my score prediction: LSU 57, Northwestern State three. So, <laughs> I survive again. Okay, I'm gonna go with 63 to, we'll say 10. 63 to 10, and uh, Daniel's buying a jersey. Uh, but uh, I, I, I want to mention this. Up until about four minutes left in the game, it was 37 to 28, LSU over Texas. And had that held, I would have been one point off from my prediction last week. Unfortunately, Texas kicked a field goal, and each team scored a touchdown. But I was four minutes away from nailing it. But, you know, so goes sports. Uh, glad I didn't put money on it, though. Uh, Tommy, what do you have a, a score prediction for this week? Um, gosh, I'm 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 terrible at score predictions. Uh, but I think I think I'll just leave my prediction at Daniel buys a jersey. Oh, okay, <laughs> we'll see yeah. about that one, Chief. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't think there's any other you know top really big top twenty five matchups next week. So we'll, we'll probably have to wait another a week after that before we can find a game as good as we saw this weekend. Um, I don't know. Uh, I wanted to see if you guys had any other any other thoughts. I know there was uh, some some conversation about, you know, Tom Herman almost being LSU's coach and how it just didn't it didn't work out. Something changed at the last minute. Uh, and we got Coach O, and a lot of people felt like it was a consolation prize. But, you know, you, you saw the proof yesterday. Uh LSU went and beat Texas on the road, so safe to say that O might have the upper hand in this one. Um, maybe silence some of the doubters. We'll yeah, we still got the still got the whole SEC slate coming up, but Coach O with a win against Texas in his pocket, he's got to be feeling pretty good. Like our uh, friend of the podcast, Josh Lemoyne, a couple of weeks ago, check that out, episode three, said Coach O may be on the hot seat if things don't go too well this season, but this is about his dream situation right now. Uh, at this point, he could still lose to Bama and probably keep his job, at least for next year, unless things just go completely off the rails, which, fingers crossed, they don't. But he's doing pretty good, and I'm not sad at all kind of, of how things shook out with the Tom Harbour versus Ed Orgeron situation. Well, and, and you know, I, you know, I'd even go further than you and say that, that you know, and we've said it before, and, and we look, when we look at this game from a 10,000 you know, 10, feet perspective and not just in this week, this win means so much for the entire landscape of college football that LSU could conceivably lose to Alabama and go to the playoff and be competing for, uh, you know, be competing for a national championship berth. So, you know, when we talk about the, the Tom Herman versus Ed Ogeron, you know, 
conversation and how you know we were basically day you know a, a one decision away and one meeting going a different way. There's a really good article that they re-released in the Advocate um, this week, kind of outlining how you know over the course of three days, all these you know machinations in the background between Orgeron and Oliva and Herman and Herman's agent in Texas kind of all led to where we are today. But I think as LSU fans, uh, you, you know, sitting here with a win against, against a, a really well-coached and talented Texas team, uh, you can't be disappointed with what we ended up getting. And he might not be the, um, you know, he might not be like the flashiest coach like a Herman or a, or a, a Jimbo Fisher, you know, which a lot of LSU fans wanted. But he's proven in – in big games so far that he gets the job done, um, you know, with that, with the, the big bowl win against UCF and now this Texas win. Um, and I look forward to him, you know, continuing on. I think that, I think that this was the, the big hurdle that LSU had in, this, in their season uh, with the exception of the game on November 9th. And so we will, uh, I think that, I think that from now, you know, going on, it should be pretty smooth sailing, um, until that big matchup in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, yeah like you, you touched on the uh, teams kind of winning out. I mean, you can think of it right now. If the typical sort of bloodbath happens towards the end of the season where if you imagine at this point every team finishes with one loss except for Clemson and Alabama, you could conceivably have a three SEC teams in the playoff with Alabama, Georgia, and LSU because Georgia and LSU's only loss would have been to Alabama. So it, it might end up the exact way it's right now. Clemson won, Alabama two, then Georgia, then LSU, which would be pretty insane, and we're going to need a lot of help. Everybody's got to lose. But it's not really out of the question. And to have three teams from the same conference in the playoff, would, uh, that would anger a lot of folks. Especially well, oh, yeah, the there would be riots in the streets. Uh, I, I don't think the, the committee would do that just because of the, the animosity they'd have on their hands. I, I think they feel like they would uh, discredit their own th- themselves their, in their purpose. Um, but I just wanted to say this about Coach O. Um, yeah, still plenty left to prove. But, uh, you know, same with other teams. It's like you, no one would maybe make – you could make the argument that Nick Saban is the best coach in the country – and you probably can't out-game plan him, but you can definitely beat him, as Dabo Swinney has done. And as long as you have talent and a good, a good game plan, you can make it happen. He's not unbeatable. And, you know, I think Coach O has that because I think he's learned his lesson. And he, he, you know, he learned it the hard way at Ole Miss, but he, he at least has moved forward. And he's obviously been willing to make many changes, both to his, you know, his previous coaching habits at Ole Miss, but also just, you know, he knows what Tiger fans wanted, and that was a change to the offense, and and they got it. Uh, so you got to give O credit for that. But also, um, you know, look at the last coach and Coach Miles. Uh, uh, you know, I kind of feel for him because he's a good man. But uh, you know, he he didn't learn his lesson and he lost his dream job. And I don't know if you guys saw this, but Kansas lost at home to Coastal Carolina. Yeah, that's a bad Kansas, look. Yeah. Yeah, Kansas only put up seven points at home to a team that had never beaten, I don't think, uh, a Power 5 team. So that just goes to show you that things, things can turn out for the better, uh, you know, with a little trust. But, yeah, they, I think LSU definitely made the right call. You could argue whether or not, you know, LSU would be better off with Herman, but uh, I, I still don't think that 
you, you could make that argument. You at least can with Miles. Well, and I think the other the other thing to keep in mind is if we have Tom Herman, I don't think we get Joe Brady. And uh, and and you know, after two games, and then from from everything we've heard from people, you know, like insiders in camp, insiders uh, during spring ball, and, and and insiders just within the program. Joe Brady is making a huge difference and really revolutionizing that team and bringing NFL concepts to LSU. And, you know, I'm not sure, I'm not going to, you know, I, I'm not, I don't know enough to, know, to say, like, Joe Brady's a better offensive mind than Tom Herman or any of that, but he's definitely made a huge difference. I think the players like him, and he's, I think he's, a, he's an up-and-coming guy in college football to watch. And so I'm, I'm and, I, and like I said, I don't think we, we don't get that higher. Uh, we don't hire like a, a dominant offensive mind like Joe Brady if the dominant offensive mind is our head coach. So we wouldn't you know, have needed like, him. Yeah, exactly. Wouldn't have, you know, we wouldn't have needed it, and he probably wouldn't have wanted to bring in you know somebody who would who might disagree with him. So uh, you know, I'm glad. I'm I'm kind of glad we're at where we're at. Yeah. Um, all right, guys, so I wanted to see if y'all had any last thoughts going forward, LSU or otherwise. Uh, I don't really have much. Just hyped up right now, looking forward to the rest of the season. The next really kind of big date on the calendar is just about a month from now against, at home against Florida on uh, it's October the 12th because uh, we got Northwestern State this week, then Vandy after that, then a bye, then Utah State. So not exactly murderer's row, but we'll be coming up on Florida, hopefully at that point, 5-0, and and then big matchup in Death Valley. So yeah. riding high right now and uh, just enjoying the, enjoying the college football life. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's great to be back. It's great to have second week under our belt with, a, with a, basically two quality wins, you know, one very impressive win against a team you've got to take care of business against, and then another – you know, quality win against one of the top teams in the country. And, and when I look at the new rankings and I see that Texas moves down or no, stays where they're at, at at number nine and Michigan, who almost lost to Army, only uh, only moves to number eight. Like, I just can't I can't abide by that. I feel like Texas should have at least go, you know, switched places with Michigan. But that's that uh, that's that Michigan bias that there always seems to be in the rankings. So, you know, all in all, it's it's. Yeah, like Daniel said, it's great to be back, and um, you know I'm excited for the rest of the season because we we took care of business and made a national statement last night, and now we get to sit back and uh, and kind of say you know say to the rest of college football at large, all right, your move. Yeah, well, what do you have? You just saw what we have, so yeah, what do you, what you got? Uh, agree with all that. Uh, I'm excited. I know. Um Probably the next three games will not be as attractive as last night combined even. But I think it's a chance for LSU to get some of those kinks out. Um, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to game against Florida because, I don't know, I know they're going to come in maybe undefeated. Uh, and then, again, that'll just be another good-looking win. Although I still don't think Florida is, you know, really uh, top of the East material. Um, but yeah, I, really I think liked – go ahead. I think we're all in agreement. We, we're we're all uh, selling in Florida right now, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. It's 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 uh it's pump and dump. That's that's what's going to happen with Florida. Um, but I would like to uh, give out a little personal news, if I may. Um, yesterday, before the game, um, I went with my girlfriend and we went out to this little little place that we, we've gone to before, like on a little hike. 
And I proposed to her, and she said yes. Wow. So, Congratulations, yeah. man. Congratulations, Thank you. Scott. This is, when Scott's like, I don't even care. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I love the applause. I don't have to even add it in later in post. That's awesome. He, uh, yeah, so, he's like, I don't even care about this LSU game. Who cares if they won or not? I won. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? That that was on purpose. I definitely wanted to, you know, it, it could have been yesterday or today, and I thought, you know what? Today. I'm, I'm going to make it today, so no matter what happens tonight, I'm feeling good because of this. And, and I, I'll be honest, I felt a little bit more sure about that outcome than I did with the LSU <laughs> game. So uh, oh, there awesome. you have it. Yeah, yeah I'm a lucky exactly. man. Uh, my, my lady said yes, and the Tigers won. So uh, good weekend for me. So that, <laughs> that's all I got. Well, and but, you know what? I, I do want to give a shout-out to Daniel, who is uh, going into week three. He is 6-0 and against the spread. So uh, way to pick him, Daniel. I hope I didn't jinx you. All right. I appreciate that. Yeah, DM me for picks. <laughs> Congrats to all clients. Right. But, yeah, that's a, that's a great way to end it, Scott. Congratulations to you. Congratulations to the Tigers and the whole Tiger fan base. It's a great, great week to be one. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Tommy. Uh, and I think that will do it for us uh, for this week, this episode of Talking Tigs. Uh, tune in next week. Uh, we'll, we'll give some, uh, some, some, some after-the-game discussion about Northwestern State and then looking forward to LSU's next game and uh, any news that happens in between. Uh, but thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on Talking Peaks.